Life is a journey, and I'm just trying to navigate the potholes. Does that even make sense? <laughs> <laughs> London Bridge is falling down, and so are my pants. <laughs> okay, you win. And in England, pants means underwear. In England, pants means underwear. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and pants are trousers. Wow, those British, man, they just keep fucking words up, huh? I tell you, they're insane. Well, listen, guys, cheerio. It's Andy's Girls. It's episode 310, and I'm so excited to have one of my favorite people on the People's People's Couch. I dressed up real nice for him. Here I am recording in a literal bathroom. Uh, But listen, nothing but the best for the founder and president of the Real Housewives Institute, the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Housewives, The Real Story Behind the Real Housewives, which is out in paperback May 24th. You can see it on display, on display, on display each and every day, every day, every day. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Dame Brian Moylan. Oh, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. I'm always so happy to spend way too much time talking about Housewives with you. I mean, all the time in the land. First up, I truly, I just rewatched New Jersey and Beverly Hills, and I was like, can I record while wearing a beauty mask as well I truly was like how low can I drag this shit out but I've been like curled up on the couch with with some tea watching the shows and I'm looking at your gorgeous face and you're wearing this beautiful pink sweat is that do the British is that is that do we use sweater or is it no it's what the British would call a jumper which is both a sweater and a sweatshirt both jumpers wow tank tops are vests no. What's a vest then? Uh, gelée. A, a seesaw. No, I hate it. Can't get into it. Can't fuck with that. Um, but you look like you belong in the clawfest, which is where I am zooming from. You look gorge. Thank you. Well, right excited. now we're getting. It's actually sunny in London today, and I'm getting like the direct sunlight through my window. So I, it's flattering natural light more than anything else. So how are you? Enjoy- You've been in London for a hot minute at this point. Four years. It'll be four years in June. Do you remember we recorded? I went to your apartment on like the Lower East Side. Remember? And it yes. was like the day before I like brought my fucking recording. It was the day before you moved, I think. Yeah. And there was maybe only a sofa. Yeah. We recorded on the sofa. You gave me watch what happens shot glasses that, <laughs> that are literally on display in the office as well on my like little wall of wall of joy you're welcome i mean listen just there's brian moylan everywhere in this blessed beloved space so how are first off how are you doing how is life you are a new york times best-selling author so you're just like shitting cash wherever there I is mean, i mean i wish every day at four like what's going on um things are good i'm working on some ghostwriting projects i have um the book comes out in paperback i have all my recaps on vulture i have our newsletter so lots of uh lots of stuff going on as it turns out one of my best friends is getting married in new york in october the same weekend as BravoCon. 
Oh, no. So obviously you're not going to the wedding, right? Well, it's in the evening. <laughs> and okay. I was told if I miss the service, I'm dead to her. But I mean, I have all weekend other than going to her service on Friday, on Saturday. You know, they have those like robot things where it's like your face, but on like an actual (laughs) robot. I don't see a problem with you doing. You're technically there. You're just going to be a couple avenues over. Essentially, I've been joking that I'm going to set up a card table in front of the Javits Center and just sell my book at a card table because Bravo (laughs) won't like let me in. I'm going to have like a sign like Housewives, but two two for $20. (laughs) Well, I have to say, like, when the last BravoCon happened eight to ten years ago, when the first and only thus far, you went a little bit in disguise, I right? I did. I did. Yeah, I wrote about it in my book because they um, had denied me press access because I was working on my book. <laughs> and so I shaved my mustache and I wore something other than my uniform and I just bought a ticket and stuck in. So, yeah, I think I'm just going to buy tickets this time, too, and just go and... Um, I've been joking that I was going to get all the people, the bloggers and podcasters and everybody who's not invited by Bravo to do anything officially and get us all together and throw like a Bravo non party at like some bar. It's like, just come to Club Coming. We'll all be there. (laughs) Oh, you know, I will be selling tickets to that. That is a thing that is now absolutely going to happen. Um, Do you, I mean, what's the, they have to give you, don't you think that access would be granted your way because your book, I mean, aside from your illustrious career in and outside of the Bravo space, your book was a big fucking success. Yeah. And the book is done. So it's not like I'm going to add anything new or write a new book or anything. So I don't know if the fatwa is over, but when they announced BravoCon last year, um, I got an email from the head of PR at Bravo and she was like, uh, at least you won't have to sneak in this year. And that was kind of like all she said. And so I was like, does that mean I'm welcome? Does that mean you want me to like do a panel? Like, is this a, a backhanded invite? What is going on here? Oh my God. Also, the pan people are going to be, because I feel like there are more content creators in the Bravo space now than ever before. People are going to be attempt. There's going to be duels happening as people pitch themselves to moderate X, Y, and Z. It's going to be a shit show. Oh, totally. Well, and I think we're going to see more, like someone reposted the other day, uh, the Real Housewives of New Jersey panel where someone asked Jackie like a yes. real salty question. I was in the room where it happened. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. and I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I don't know why I feel that way. I just feel like post-pandemic, we're all a little bit more worse behaved than we were before. Um, well, yeah, and I feel like there are also, there's like an extreme aspect to the Bravo community where people yeah. think that the way that these women behave ostensibly and how they perform the role of housewifery is not just a form of entertainment, but also a personality suggestion. So like there were people and it was very awkward, specifically the New Jersey panel, people asking really, it wasn't even, they were posing as a question, a personal insult to Jackie as people did on the Orange County panel to Emily as well. And that's just like, really awkward because the attendee feels like the admission to the event 
enables or provides a point of admission to like playing this part yeah that's all about being mean it's it's tough and that was what was interesting is when this person did that to jackie everybody in the room even the people that hate jackie were like boo so yeah. I, I was like glad about that but i feel like since then i mean what it's been like three years maybe yeah since the last one years. like We've gotten to this place and it was so interesting. I was thinking about this in terms of the Beverly Hills premiere. And, you know, as I've been looking at Twitter, where it's like people feel like if you like somebody, that means you reflexively need to hate the other people. So it's like if I like Sutton, I have to hate everybody else. I have to hate Lisa Rinna or, you know, like. It's like, I can like Lisa Rinna and like Sutton and even though, and understand why they're opposed and not feel like I need to carry some torch for whatever side I'm on or whatever. So I, yeah, I'm worried that we're going to see some of that behavior play out in real life. Well, it doesn't help that some of the cast reflects that themselves. Like, I do think that there is an element, for example, in how Erica behaves with some of the cast where it's yeah. like, in order for me to support myself, I need to literally drag this other person, right. which like I need to book ourselves book in the trash. I mean, a little bit, yeah, 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 a yeah. little bit. Um, You know, the oddity about, I think about the premiere, which I thought was extraordinary for a multitude of reasons, um, is the fact that there's so much, there were so many weird moments that became sort of explosive in, in the press. Garcelle saying that she's closer to Kathy than Kyle is. Yeah. The book in the trash moment with Erica that then became honestly a great marketing tool for Garcelle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. That was a fail. Book marketing fail. I didn't even know right? Garcelle had a book out until Erica threw it in the trash. A hundred percent. And then I was like, wow, I really do need to read that book. Um, but, you know, there were there have been moments that have been somewhat big impact leaning words, et cetera, whatnot, whatnot in the Bravo community that you would think might become a little bit of a distraction over what we're looking forward to see. And yet I don't know that that happened. What do you think about the kind of press lead up to the to the premiere of people already in the cast taking sides? I think that. And so what's also interesting about Beverly Hills and Salt Lake is that as soon as like the reunion film, they started filming again. So they're like a lot closer together and they're like fresh off of whatever happened at the reunion. Whereas usually you have a bit of a kind of cooling period and there's something that happened in between. Um, but I think that what's interesting about that is I feel like that happened after filming was finished, so we see where things are going, but in a way that's kind of interesting, where it's like, okay, we see the first episode with Garcelle and Erica exercising and things are tense, and we know they're gonna get to, you know, I don't have to make you look bad, you make yourself look bad, but then it's getting so bad that it's throwing the book out. And I think that's different than what we saw like on the past season of Summer House, where, we know Lindsay and Carl are together. We know mm-hmm. Paige and Craig are together. We know Kyle and Amanda got married. And so why am I worried about all these men Lindsay's dating? Why, you know, it, where it's like, 
because of the social media and the press and whatever, we know where these things are going. And so we don't care about it. So I think that there's that way where you see on like Summer House or where you see on Selling Sunset where you know Jason and mm. Chriselle break up mm. as opposed to this where it, it'll be interesting to see what happens to get them to this place. Does that make sense? It does. It also is an odd thing when it comes to like the way that Beverly Hills cast members specifically use press, use various Bravo vehicles to like carry their own narrative. Yeah. And also try to get the sympathy vote. I just keep thinking of Kyle who went on watch what happens after the premiere and discussed, you know, how offended she was that Garcelle had said that Garcelle herself was closer to Kathy. And then in the same breath, says, oh, Kathy and I actually were estranged after the filming of this season. So we didn't talk except then that Kyle went through a, a very upsetting personal tragedy. Of, uh, one, her best friend essentially died by suicide this past week. And she said, you know what? It actually opened a door for reconciliation with Kathy, you know, with the Richard sisters, right. Kathy and, and, you know, Kim somewhere in the mix. But it's I think about that. I'm like, OK, but you're you're telling me blood is thicker than water, even though we have quite literally seen that not be the case with your right. with your family dynamics. But you're saying that in order to say how rude and how insane it is for Garcelle to say this thing. But also you're saying what she said was true. Yeah. Right. So like what what is literally happening right now? Right. Right. Well, and I, and I write about this in my book, too. I talked to some media studies scholars who say that all of this actually makes us better media consumers and smarter viewers because we're trying to triangulate like what we saw on the show, what you see on Twitter, what you see on Watch What Happens Live, what Garcelle's saying, what Kyle's saying, and you try to like form that all together to like figure out what the truth is. And I think mm -hmm. that that's kind of what we're all doing. And, and I think that that's what makes this such an interesting fandom as it were because you can take all those events and we're all seeing the same things but we're often taking them and saying like kyle's an awful person or kyle's a great person or kyle's a great sister or kyle's an awful sister or you know whatever and and so i find that all to be fascinating but yes i agree with you you can't be like what you said really hurt me but then it was true. So it's like, well, right. maybe what really hurt you was the fact that you and your sister were estranged. And then maybe you need to think about what responsibility in that you may bear. And so maybe instead of being mad at ourselves, like you and Kathy should just hash it out. A hundred percent. And I also think when it comes to the interesting and positive and almost like shocking aspects of the Bravo community, there is something to be said for these cast members when confronted with like real likes insanely high stakes there's a level of dismissiveness of like you just don't know the truth the info is available but you're um too dumb to check or like you just need to do your due diligence noting in the meantime that there are lawyers in the bravo community journalists in the bravo community <laughs> right. who have this information and have made it available which i think has changed in some ways the level of dismissiveness that like Erica, for example, would have been able to get away with a couple yeah. years ago that I don't know that she's able to as successfully today. Well, and I feel like her saying that is always a losing gambit because yeah. 
Housewives is already a mediated experience from the perspective of the housewife. So if you're Erica, you're trying to tell a story and you're trying to present whatever, you're presenting your real life, but then the editors and Bravo and whomever are gonna edit that and change it to tell the story they wanna tell. So if you're saying, go look it up yourself, you're ceding any of your control of what you want to put in the story. So you're just gonna let them make up the story and they are going to fuck you over every single time. So it's almost like, Erica, I know you're smarter than this and savvier than this and know how this show works. Like, how are you being like, find that out yourself? Like, that's, well, that's, think- not, that's not a choice here. You know, like they even brought on Brandy Glanville to explain uh, Denise Richards. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they don't do their own research. That's not how the show works. Like they always need somebody to come with the information. And so if it's not you, then who's it going to be? And a lot of the fans are just watching the show and they see you be like, you know, just do your due diligence. I don't think that that was... Uh, smart move really and yet if you're if you don't have it and you say that you have it your reaction that reaction makes sense i'm like do your due do, do, do your due diligence it's there even because it it isn't but that's the only thing that i can say because it hasn't right. been proven so of course i'm gonna be like absolutely it is and you could just look it up and you're gonna see uh, my lawyer's press statement which is definitely the same as what a judge would say or do you know like it just yeah it's it's bullshit but but she knows it's bullshit and we know it's bullshit but a part of playing the game in erica's mind is like if i say these things as annoyed and angrily as possible and as dismissively as possible, you will accept them as true. Well, and it's really interesting to me that though the situations are very different in that Jen Shaw is charged with a crime and Erica is not, but we're seeing like Jen Shaw and Erica kind of play out on parallel tracks. And it's like Erica is taking this very defensive, antagonistic stance with the other women and being like, I don't want to answer your questions. I'll come for you, like whatever. And we keep going over this shit over and over again. Whereas Jen Shaw was like, I didn't do it. You know, you have to be on my side. It was like the same tack that Teresa took, which is like, I didn't do that. You have to be on my side. And the women went along with that. So it's not like the end of the season after Jen Shaw's arrest wasn't about Jen Shaw's arrest. Whereas Mm. the whole season of Beverly Hills was about Erica's legal troubles. And this whole season is going to be too, because she keeps bringing it up by pushing it forward in this way. Yeah. And she puts the blame on the other person. She's saying, how dare you ask the question? The answer is already available. Like as if to say, like, you're just not keeping up here and yet the problem is that everyone is keeping up like that's the the divide here that's the conflict is like you're too late to the party and we're like ma'am like we're just extending you an invitation to attend what's really going on (laughs) yeah and like I think that the smarter response would have been like well there's still a lot of you know there's still a lot of trials to be had in cases you know i don't even know that it's complicated i'm talking to my lawyers i'm getting new information every day like you know rather than being like none of it's true and she should know that you know like yeah it wasn't a great moment for my erica 
How, when is, so listen, you famously co-authored Erica's uh, book. Um, yes. <laughs> the way that I just said book out loud was fascinating to me. Um, what has your experience been like potentially being reintroduced to a new side of Erica last season and now likely? Well, I mean, I think it's one. like, I think that um, this has been such a traumatic experience for her in so many ways that I'm, you know, I think that fundamentally as people, like, there's a lot of the building blocks of us that don't change, but we're obviously shaped by our experiences. And I think that, you know, I think that there's still a lot of the Erica there that I really like and that foundationally she is a good person, like when I talk to her, but I think that this experience, especially this experience in the public eye must have changed her. I mean, I don't talk to her a ton. We mostly, you know, text a little bit here and there, but um, yeah, I mean, this has to have been a crazy thing for her to go through. And you have people on the internet and whatever yelling about both sides of it. And um, yeah, it's not an easy to position to be in. And I think it has to be very traumatizing. Um, and in and, and that it's going to change her, I think, a lot. What's What's the difference, do you think, between changing a person's character and revealing it? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think that like your character is kind of oh, like I think her character is. That's a very good question that I'm not quite sure <laughs> like, I know the answer to. <laughs> like, hmm. but yeah, no, I think that, that was... like your character is, you know, fairly like set. Like, you know, I think that you, you, we're going to behave in certain ways, but I think that certain um, experiences can bring out the best or worse than us, you know? But I think that some people can only be dragged too far in in one direction. You know what I mean? Like, if you're a good person, you can do bad things, but I think that there's, like, a line to how far you'll go. And I think that the same holds true for bad people. They can be, you know, made better, but they'll only get so much better. But yeah, I don't think that um, there are a ton of bad people in the world, but maybe that's just my naivete. I don't know. I've watched enough Housewives. I should know that there are some. <laughs> like, I love when people are always like, oh, she has borderline personality disorder. She's, you know, sociopathic, whatever. And I'm like, no, maybe she's just a bad person. <laughs> like, That's one way to put it. Like, maybe they're just fucked up. Maybe they're just an asshole. But I do think that the public nature of the, I, I always say that fame is a psychological disease. And I think that when you're on a platform like this and you're living a life so publicly, it like fucks with your head. And um, I think that's true. And I think that becomes especially true when you're someone like Erica or Jen Shaw or Teresa, who's going through this like very difficult time very publicly. Um, but I do think it's something that all the women face. And I think we see that, like when they go from season one nobodies to like somebody's, like we see how they change and evolve, but their characters like always the same. And this is one of my problems with Teresa though, is I feel like Teresa never changes or evolves. She's always like the same person. And I find it to be like boring and frustrating. 
Well, and conversely, when someone shows themselves to be very complicated, that can also be frustrating and upsetting. Like, yeah, I think that, you know, difficulty, chaos, these things that most people in their lives will never have to deal with at the level of what we're seeing some of these women go through on Housewives in general, let alone Beverly Hills it can change a person in the ways that anything that happens to you in your life can change you. But also when everything in your life is removed that helped you be nice and be kind, like the privilege of having the money to pay for things and to pay to have people help you clean up the messes and whatever else, when that is taken away and you don't have that foundation and that safety and you feel like you're under attack, Maybe you were always the person that would have attacked back. It's just that you had these other things to help hide that side of you that you that don't might be have true. anymore. That might be true. It's hard. And it's it's the, one of those things that I look at the Erica dynamics and I also look at the ways that people are reevaluating their behavior. And it's so interesting how even sometimes it's like you hear the same critique over and over again and people different people would react differently like uh, one person would say wow a lot of people are telling me the same thing maybe i should think about that a little bit and other people would say wow a lot of people are telling me the same thing it's all noise and the only way for me to protect myself is to disagree with all of them right and i look at how erica (laughs) continues to believe she did nothing wrong to sutton didn't misbehave didn't threaten her. And when she did, it was an absolute LOL. And I look at the way that Kyle in that scene with Garcelle, and I look at the way that Kyle in the scene with Sutton is like, you know, that dinner when she told you like you were a fucking cunt and to like go jump off a bridge. I think about that. And I feel so bad for her in that moment when she was like maybe threatening your life or whatever, which she wasn't. But like when she like, you know, was like holding up a shiv that she made out of like a turkey leg from appetizers. And I just wonder, like, is she getting enough protein? Like you, you, it's interesting to see these women do these things. And say these things that are kind of the opposite of what they thought that they would have learned. And that's kind of what makes Housewives so fascinating. Like the, yes. these aspects of human character where I'm like, wait, but what we were that's all That's what you're taking away from this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, that's the lesson you learned? Okay. But I also think about like someone about how our perspectives shift on our favorite Bravo celebrities. Like you look at someone like Camille Grammer, who is like out of the Mm -hmm. gate, instant villain. Season two comes back, redeems herself. Disappears for a while. We like her. Oh, Camille, she's great, whatever. Then comes back and is like, oh, Brett Kavanaugh was wrong just like I was. And then turns out to be the asshole she was all along. And so it's like, and I feel like we, we felt this way, like, with a lot of housewives where I used to love Bethany. Oh, she's the underdog. She's Mm. so funny. And then I could tell she was meddling and I kind of soured on her, but now she's like talking trash about Bravo. So I'm, you know, and and so I feel like if Erica is allowed to stick around long enough to ride this all out, um, how she'll behave afterwards and how we'll, see this kind of in the long arc of history you know i don't know 
Yeah, and also who else will be left? Like, what will it mean to be an ally to Erica or have her consider you one at the quote-unquote end of this if it ever, in fact, ends? Because this is going to go on for years and years. Oh, my God, forever. Yeah. So what does it even mean if at the end of the day she's like, okay, it all got settled and this X, Y, and Z happened? Like, what does that mean for people to even acknowledge it? Because if she's yelled at you for years about the facts, now we're supposed to believe them? Or what what if what happens is at the end of this, they say Erica had nothing to do with it. She didn't, she had no part of it. She's totally exonerated. She doesn't owe any money, et cetera. But then while we were waiting to hear that, she treated all these people badly. You know what I mean? So it's like, So, okay, you have been exonerated. You didn't do the things these people were accusing you of, but when they were accusing you of those things, you weren't being, but then should, but then if we're being accused of things, should we be nice to people? I mean, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of, um, moral gray areas. You know, like if we find out Erica did nothing and Sutton was like, oh, you owed all this money and she threatened Sutton, then is her threat somehow justified or should she have never been treated, treating something like that in the first place? Yeah. And also how do we deploy faith in a way that feels fair? Erica is asking or demanding, insulting us into having faith in her previous intentions and how she believes about the state of affairs today. But we don't really see the flip side of that, which is like, we need you to extend a little bit of faith that the people who are saying they were stolen from are are saying the truth. Like you're yeah. expecting us to have faith that you believe that, but we're not seeing any examples of that play out in an environment in which performance, even if it's of empathy and grace it, it needs to be activated. We can't just assume you feel a certain way when you're showing us by your behavior that you don't. Right. No, I, I agree with that. And I think that, you know, she's saying, you know, these victims suffered. I am suffering too. You know, there are maybe degrees of which one is suffering more than the other that I'm not going to get into, but we're seeing her not being like, my life is so she's saying her life is awful, but she's saying that while attacking people rather than being like showing something that looks like vulnerability. And I think that that was always kind of something that was in Erica's character. It's and that they talk about, it's like that tough exterior where she has to come across as so strong. And I think that here it, and that has always done well by her, but it, she's now in a situation where it's doing the opposite, I think. Yeah, and also how do you react when like the very things that made you a star are the things people are using to, um, in your eyes, harm your reputation? The idea that I only care about money and wealth and everything else. And it's like, well, you perform that in a song that we all love, you know? Right, like, but I know that that, that like it's expensive to be soda. me. Right, that's like a funny made up Erica Jane, like whatever. Like I don't... I believe that she thinks it's real in a kind of abstract way, but I don't think she really thinks that way. Um, yeah. Why? 
Um, because like, I I know that she she knows that that's like the Erica Jane persona, and that's kind of it's like that Marilyn Monroe, like Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend, like Eartha Kitt, like oh, I'm using my sex to get all these things, and all I really care about is diamonds. And I think that that's like a funny, glamorous kind of way to approach the world. But I mean, I don't think that she really approaches the world that way. And I mean, I you're an idiot to say that money doesn't matter. And obviously part of what attracted her to Tom would have been his financial success. Um, but I, I think that, you know, she knows that there's a lot more to life than just it's expensive to be me. Um, I totally hear you there. It's just the difficulty is like, if this was a performance, which it absolutely was, I mean, she quite literally went on tour you know, who's paying for the costumes? Like, the whole thing yeah. is, like, if we're supposed to be seeing another side of Erica, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> like, in the meantime, you know, it's not as easy as, like, this wasn't the Lion Air money because the money I took didn't say Lion Air on it. You know, like, there's, like, a different <laughs> right. way of... But I also it, think... This is difficult. It's yeah, difficult. But I also think that she, she wasn't spending the money, like, oh, I'm going to start this pop career of the money I know Tom stole from these people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but also it, it's like the whole, we're getting into a whole, we're going to, I swear we're going to switch gears. It's like the, it's, <laughs> you can benefit from a crime without participating in it, but it's the actual benefit that people would argue means you need to like return some of that or be held accountable for receiving proceeds from a crime taking place, regardless of whether or not you knew one was taking place. I agree with that. Like he stole over a hundred million dollars. So it's like the 20, sure, whatever, whatever you're saying, blah, 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 lion area. There's still like 80 something left. And also if this man didn't have the money and yet he was spending money, like the math ain't mathin', you know? Yeah, but I uh, feel, I also feel like she can't entirely be held accountable for these, like, you know, Tom was like, spend this money and, she was like, okay, I'm going to spend the money. And she thought it was brought about legitimately. I don't know that you can be like, oh, well, you shouldn't have done all that. Well, yeah. I to I totally hear you on but that. I, I don't but I agree with you in that we now need to judge the reaction to that. And it has been, in some instances, a little bit lacking. This, that's all I'm saying is like, listen, you. I believe that she didn't know that something was going on for a very long time, possibly ever. I actually do believe that. The problem for me is like when you find out <laughs> that like this is where money right. is coming from. What do you there's do? A difference between a, there's a difference between a legal strategy and an ethical one. And the way that she has, spoiler alert, guys, I'm going to use the word you all fucking hate when I use, weaponize the ethics of this against people asking very valid questions that are also BCC highly researched, not my, not me, but like the LA Times. Like, right. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's difficult. It's like, because sweetie, we now, most of us didn't know, and very well could be yourself included, like regardless of the timeline in previous lawsuits, like, but now we do. So like, <laughs> I don't know, babe, like maybe return that Panther ring. I don't know. I mean, I agree with you, but I also think that to some extent, there were there were going to be people. She is in a bit of a losing situation in that if she were to return every dollar, everything, every piece of jewelry, whatever, there'd be still be people 
you could do more. Why haven't you personally gone to the victim's house and shaken their hands and done what, you know what I mean? And so it's like, and also I think that she is in a position where if she does those things, then she might admit she's guilty. That might come by to bite her in the ass somehow. Yeah. So, I mean, and so I get how she's become this kind of supervillain in that where it's like, no matter what I do, you're going to hate me. So I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want and fuck you. And, and I think that's where she is. And I get, I, I totally get how she got there. Do well, I, is I, that how yeah. I would react? I would like to think it's not, but I also haven't been in this situation. So I can't say for sure. Well, I also I totally hear that. And I also think if everybody else is removing the nuance and saying that you are a supervillain, how are you going to react to that? Like, is she really going to open up and be like, wait, there's nuance here? Or is she going to say, truly, go fuck yourself? You're making an already complicated situation much worse. And if I'm hearing over and over and over again that people think I was a part of this master plan, anything that comes my way is I'm going to interpret it as removed of all nuance because that's my only way to process what's happening and also feel like I'm able to defend myself. I think it's it's complicated in a way that the many aspects of the Bravo community won't allow it. But also, as Sutton said, like when we're playing the game of empathy and performance, when I hear Kyle say these things in Sutton's like, you know, like what about the victims? Like, how do we assign nuance is there only so much room in a 44 minute episode plus commercials for nuance to be assigned and if that's the case where does it go to the cast member will be following for many years to the person I have a long-term alliance with or to people who were rightly calling out for accountability and justice but aren't the focal point of a show called The Housewives of Beverly Hills. Well, I think it's really interesting. And I think that we need to make the distinction between what the show is telling us and what the fans are telling us. And I think that when I was doing research for the book, I talked to a lot of housewives and a lot of them were upset with the fact that the show will introduce nuance when it isn't there. For instance, Mm. this is just like a completely- I love this, I'm into this. Fictional- event it's that fine. I okay. I am using to describe this. Like okay. Car- Carol's ghostwriter, for instance, right? Like there either was or there wasn't a ghostwriter. Okay. I'm not going to say which I believe, but let's say there wasn't Wait, a Wait, what ghost- do you believe? I mean, you believe there I'm going to believe that there wasn't one. Okay. Was not. Was not one. But let's Got say that, okay. let's say there was not one. Let's just say okay. you believe let's whatever say, you believe. Let's just say right. there was not one. Let's just say there was not. Carol knows there's not one. Bravo knows there's not one. There is proof to show you there isn't one, and Bravo could show you that proof. However, they present her saying there's not one along with Aviva saying there is one, and says both of these things could be true. You guys decide, so you'll fight about it. So that will be mm. so that the audience is engaged and that there is nuance in an argument that can clearly be delineated. There either was or there wasn't. And the show, if it chose to, could prove that. But it chooses not to, so that we'll continue to be engaged with it. And so I think and so I think that in the so that the show can create nuance where there isn't. But I think it can also not show nuance where there is. 
Um, but when the fans talk, like all, because most of it's happening in comment section on Twitter, on Instagram, the internet is, has no place for nuance. And so when, so people are just saying Erica's a crook, period, sense. You know, there's no like, oh, Erica, not having the kind of conversation we're having where it's like, you can be a good person and a bad person and all these things can be true at once. And, and so I think that the show can either introduce nuance or remove nuance as it wants to, but when the fans are having discussions about it, which is where we traffic, you know, tons of our time, um, that all the nuance is often removed. And I think that is what is the real detriment to, to a person undergoing this is. Am I making sense? You totally are. And it's also the ways that misinformation can be used. It can be yes. used as a point of legal strategy that is in in many cases. And I'm not talking about Erica specifically, but it's like the introduction of like, well, there's this evidence that shows this because the point of the strategy is to protect or defend or minimize whatever's happening. And then there's the introduction introduction of misinformation by production because yeah. You know, it's not you're not going toward a legal verdict here. You're going toward producing a show that has tension and stakes. And yeah. what's more interesting for Aviva to say this thing and Carol to say it's not true and to end it or to have Carol say this thing. And maybe Aviva is helped or supported in some ways with like fleshing ideas right. out or knows enough to say, regardless of whether or not I think this was like a very helpful editor or a quite literal ghostwriter, I know that if I introduce a little bit of gray here, that can support my case. Yes. But then there's also the things the housewives do, the leaks to the press where, and then it's like, oh, an inside source said that X, Y, Z, and that could, or that could just be somebody made shit up on Dumois. And then we're like, oh, well, I read that, you know, Lisa Vanderpump uses certs as a center of a pedophile ring or, you know, whatever the fuck. Yeah. And, and so I think that there's, you know, I, I think that people often want to approach these things in like black and white terms um, and say that, you know, this happened or this didn't happen. But, but what I think about this Erica thing is, that we have invested so much time in talking about it literally both today and as a fan community a long time, because there is a lot of nuance to it. There is a lot of what did she know, what didn't she know? There's still a lot of things to find out, as opposed to we don't talk about Jen Shaw as much because I think a lot of us believe she did it. <laughs> and and um, so there, yeah. there isn't a ton of nuance to get into. Well, also like no disrespect to Jen Shaw, but she's not as interesting. Like I know uh, also, that there's, yeah. she, she's, we don't, we haven't known her as long. We yeah. weren't introduced to her in the same way. While she performed wealth, it wasn't as much associated with her yeah. um, character and identity in the ways yes. that it was with Erica. And also it was kind of like, you can't say that it wasn't caught on camera as far as like people finding out because we were all on that sprinter van with the rest of the <laughs> cast. Yes. But like there, there's something to be said for the ways that, Beverly Hills is built on access, wealth, notoriety, and fame yes. because it is also connected with like Hollywood that Salt Lake City, Utah is not. And yes. there's benefit to that, by the way. It's just like we're looking at this glam in the Bravo world Hollywood by being on Beverly Hills Star 
And now there's all of this new information being exposed. And we have a long-term relationship with this person. Yes. And she's literally saying it's expensive to be me. And and we're like, turns yeah. out you were very right. <laughs> yeah. There were many costs associated. Yeah. And also that you give zero fucks, which also seems very right. Yeah. So yes. and and I appreciate you going down this journey with me because I have to say that when it comes to accountability, I think that there are ways that the Bravo community looks at content creators and they say, well, I don't like your opinion or I don't like what you're saying or you're saying things that are complicated and I, I don't agree with that. And I think it's okay to be like, listen, people are complicated. Relationships are complicated. Content creation is very complicated. And difficult conversations are also complicated. And it's okay to disagree with or have a difference of opinion and be able to talk about it in a way that is, God forbid, nuanced. And the point of nuance is to like talk about things and maybe not understand the other person's perspective. But that's a much more interesting conversation to have. Also noting, by the way, that when Sutton says, but the victims... She has every right to say it. I agree with her fervently, but also Sutton knows and I know that the show Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is focused on following the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yeah. And there's always going to be a complicated aspect to talking about this because the lens is focused on Erica's perspective yes. and the women's response to that. It's not going to be about people who aren't solely through that perspective, who are not in the cast. And people are upset about that, and I get it, but that's also just the yeah. environment of this. She is a cast member on this show. We're going to be following her story, which includes her perspective and her voice. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorinda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? 
I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has hormone harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of hormone harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDESGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDESGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. I wish that we could be in a legal situation where we could see Erica go and talk to one of those victims. Um, but oh, I, man. I mean, I would be... I don't want to see that. <laughs> I would be fascinated. I don't think that Erica is responsible enough to have that. I don't... Because she'd be like, what are you a victim of? Not being on TV? Like, I could see her being so cold and terrible. I don't... These people have already been harmed by her husband. I don't right, really think that happens. But I also think something that people forget is that both... Two things can be true at the same time. Erica definitely threatened Sutton at that dinner party. That is true. 100%. Sutton hiring security guards because she thought Erica was going to do something was also overreacting. So it's like both those things could be true. So you just because you think that Erica threatened her doesn't mean you need to be like, oh, well, of course she hired security. I would have too, you know, like, no, bitch, that's fucking crazy. Erica's not going to do anything. Erica's not going to show up at your house with a shotgun. Like, that's crazy. But also humble brag that like you have the means to hire security because of what <laughs> someone said to you in a film scene. Like, Go off, queen. Yes, spend that cash. The thing that really got me about this premiere was when Sutton was like, well, I'm not looking for a man with money like Erica is. It's like, yeah, bitch, because you already got all the man's money. And good for her, by the way. I mean, yeah, and I mean, you're entitled to it, but obviously, yeah. (laughs) So don't don't act like you're like, if you had left that situation with no money, you might be doing the same thing. So... I mean, I don't know the origin story of how Sutton met her husband. I'm thinking that, like, Sutton was doing pretty well for herself at that point, too. There's, like, the idea that, like, if you're so used to having wealth at a certain point, being able to be like, well, I didn't choose it. Like, this person, it's like, well, ma'am, it seems like you did pretty well in your divorce settlement. And I'm my guess is that you probably grew up pretty okay. So I don't even know if you ever had to make the choice in the way that Erica did, who did not grow up with financial security. But then I also think about like the other housewives. So Harry Hamlin was an established actor when he and Rinna got together. I forget where she was in her career. She was a successful actress, right? I think she was like fairly, like she was at least on a soap, I think. Like she was, you know, she she was established enough. Like I don't think she was a superstar, but yeah. Yeah, the only thing that I'm thinking is, like, the only husband that I can think of who did not have any financial resources seemingly from what we've been told and what I believe is Kyle and Mauricio, who's now 
by far the most financially successful of any of the house husbands. So like we I get it. Like it's a funny confessional line, but also like everybody in the cast and yeah. a lot of people who have amassed great wealth have done so because of the environment they were either either brought up in, born into or married. So like yeah. I love a self-funded you know, go off. I created these billions from nothing, but I don't know that we're like really seeing that play out on BH. Like, but I don't what know that that's I a understand story. of Sutton's origin story um, <laughs> is that her and the husband were both like not of a lot of right. means and he earned the money while they were together. So it's like, okay. Sutton's, yeah. Her, her mom was a psychiatrist. Oh, really? Okay. So she I was think doing... so. Wasn't that the whole thing? And we've seen her film with her mom before, who seems like relatively austere. Yeah. So she's like, fine, at least middle class. So, yeah. I don't, I, Sutton, she doesn't give off those vibes to me. I don't know. Something about it. I'm like, I yeah. think she was okay. I don't know. I, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I don't know. I she can... named her daughter Porter. I think that like... <laughs> She knew what to do. She named her daughter Porter because her father was a porter on the railroad. No, I made that up. (laughs) Do you know how I like was going with you for a second when that (laughs) happened? That's how absolutely gullible I am. Listen, it's fascinating that we have spent almost an hour talking about Erica Jane, who, um, spoiler alert, was not, in fact, the star of the premiere episode. No. Dorit has come up maybe once in the past 50 minutes, and yet the episode... (laughs) opened and closed with uh, a devastating moment, not only for her family, but in terms of like how she reacted in oh my the God. last couple minutes of the app. I myself sobbed multiple times, like sobbed, sobbed multiple times. I want to know what your reaction was. I am not a huge Street fan, as many of my readers know, and I am even less of a PK fan. But even mm-hmm. I was like, girl, this is some bad shit. And you could see it, like her yeah. recounting that story to Maurizio, which thank God that the best producer on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is Kyle, who's like, oh, tell us the story again for Maurizio. <laughs> but when she was telling that story, oh my God, when the dog started barking and she like freaked out or when she's like out front waiting for PK to get yeah. her phone and you can tell she's just like falling apart at the seams. Like I felt really badly for her. I mean, that's an awful thing for someone to go through. And I mean, Kyle got robbed, but she wasn't at the house, like, you know, losing your things, like whatever. But I was actually, when I was younger, I lived in DC in what was a very rough neighborhood. And I once, I lived in the basement of a townhouse and I once got robbed while I was asleep. I like woke up and my door was open and my TV and my laptop and all my CDs were gone. This is how long ago CDs, it was I had CDs. CDs. And, and so, and, and I got mugged a bunch at gunpoint, whatever. So I've been through Brian similar experiences and I know how difficult it can be and how difficult it is to then go back to that house that has just been violated and like try to deal with all those emotions. And so I know that it's um, not easy. And so I felt um, very badly for her. Did any of those, first off, I'm so sorry that that happened to you once, let alone repeatedly. What, did any of those people, were were any of them caught? 
No, and they didn't really like try real hard. <laughs> I don't think to like catch anybody. Once when I got mugged, I was with a friend of mine and it was kind of, it was like eight or nine. Usually it was like later at night, like one, two, three in the morning, like mm -hmm. coming home from a bar. But once it was like eight or nine at night and we were going to dinner and it was a friend of mine and I, and we um, said what the guy looked like and they like rounded up a bunch of people in the like we called the cops right away and they rounded up a bunch of people that fit the description and brought us around to like show us them but that was like the most they ever um did to kind of solve it yeah so none of it ever really happened but i yeah i i mean but my home break-in i mean i didn't have to deal with anyone being like just fucking kill her you know that's got to be awful to hear that and think that that's what's going to happen and envision them killing your kids. And oh my God, that's just a horrible, horrible, awful thing to go through. And I'm, I'm curious as to how this is going to play out because I think that this is the kind of thing that's going to be with her for months, but years maybe. Yeah. yeah. But also I feel like as consumers of reality television, like, I don't want us at episode 20 to be like, oh my God, Dorit, we get it. Your house got broken into, get over it already. You know what I mean? So I'm hoping that we can keep our empathy with her as she goes through this process, which is probably not going to be easy for her. Speaking of empathy, it's like one of the aspects of trauma is that responses to trauma run the gamut because people yeah. run the gamut. People yeah. respond to things and process things in different ways. Something that might not be traumatizing to one person can be incredibly traumatizing, life-changing to another based on circumstance, based on reaction, based on uh, whatever happens. And so I think what's difficult for people, even as evidenced by reactions to her choosing to film within yeah. 24 hours of this happening, I, I think that extending a little bit of grace her way and how she is processing things, noting that her reaction in the moment likely saved her children's lives and yeah. her life. I just think err on the side of trusting this woman. And if you can't trust yes. her based on how you feel about her, whatever else, just she just survived a violent crime. <laughs> yeah. How How about we just kind of like, allow a little bit of room to process noting by the way that there are going to be people who refuse to do that based on their own circumstances like right. it's very easy for me for example to say maybe i have some empathy with your opinion xyz not knowing what empathy means to the person watching what an opinion right. symbolizes to a person watching because i have no idea what they've experienced like Trauma is triggering in a variety of ways, including being triggered by watching a reality TV show. So like, yeah. it is somewhat simple for me to, and simplistic to be like, maybe have some grace because this woman almost <laughs> right. was killed the night before. But also like, I have no idea why a person says something and God forbid we open that door to nuance because I think people would lose their fucking minds. Well, and also those people who are like, I can't believe she filmed that night are the same people who'd be like, why didn't they get her on camera? You know what I mean? So like, you know, I mean, they all pay a price to entertain us. And, and sometimes we just need to be like, 
okay, girl, I'll let you, you know, thanks for taking one for the team and doing this for our benefit. And yeah. yeah well, and, and I like totally got it in that maybe she just doesn't feel safe in her house right now. And she didn't want to be there. And, and like she said, the kids still don't know, like she doesn't want to be like crying in front of them and being a mess because then she has to tell them. And then they're going to feel like these little kids who can't even understand what happened are then going to have to deal with this. Oh, someone broke into our house. And like, yeah, I mean, but and kids are resilient. Said, yeah. They'll get therapy. They'll be fine. <laughs> Jenny, <laughs> you know, and the thing that she said about like, you know, my kids are with security. They're with PK's team and everything else. It was reminiscent to me about watching the, aftermath of what happened with Kim Kardashian in Paris and you know she dealt with dealing with PTSD-esque symptoms without diagnosing her in the episodes and months following that incident and she also at points when people were trying to discuss things said like we're not talking about this we can talk about that in another room at another time we're not doing it around our kids and I also think about what was to me like people react to things and and Dorit said this on Watch What Happens too. Like, when it comes to bravery, you just you really don't know how you would react in a situation yes. until God forbid it happens yes. to you. And I think of what Kim said following her violent robbery in Paris when she said, in the moment, she just thought about Courtney and said to herself, God, I hope that she survives this because she's going to come back in the room and see her sister dead. And that took me, I was so. Yeah. shocked hearing that because I would never I just couldn't calculate even thinking that she was already thinking ahead and being like please God let my sister be okay when she sees what the way that she was yeah. able to separate her own self of like self-protection by extending grace I thought was a tremendous and also just like sidebar incredibly interesting yeah um way to react to things and I think about that with Dorit as well in a different way but like PK walks in she immediately says I'm okay I'm okay I'm okay which is distorted and turned when he goes back into Kyle's house to get the phone and she's saying it to herself in a way that feels like so heightened and so upsetting like she's convincing herself that i'm okay yeah and she doesn't believe it because she's by herself she doesn't have to perform being okay to make sure that her loved one knows that she's okay so she's like trying to prove it as best she can she is alone at that point it's her and like whatever producer camera person she doesn't have to look as strong because for herself, it's a she knows to herself that she's not okay. And so when she's saying these things, it feels so shaky because we all know and she knows that she's not. And dealing with that in that moment, I just was like, I gasped when the when the episode ended on that. I was like, fuck me. Like that's <laughs> yeah. just really fucking tough. It's just felt so fucking it's like this season on Real Housewives of Beverly. And you're like, bitch, no, I need a moment to recover. Yeah, I need a try. I need a cry angle. Where where are the cry angles? <laughs> and also, like, it was tough that she had to go and watch what happened. I just thought to myself, 
they like bring her out because un- understandably she her storyline was the focal point of the yeah. episode. But I also felt like, could we not bring her back for a different? Hasn't she gone through enough? <laughs> You're like, right. Yeah. Couldn't we? And she could address it, but with like a little bit more time. She knows everybody is talking about this and not to say they wouldn't from an episode five episodes from now, but also like. Jesus Christ, like that's just a lot. Well, and I think that one of the reasons I love these shows, I think a lot of us love these shows, is is those moments like that can't be produced. Like her sitting out in front, like crying like that is like, I'll never forget it. And, and you know, we know it's fake or produced or whatever, but there are some moments that no matter what you, like how it came about, like, it's just so real and you see people in their most role neural moments just being their real selves and i think that's what's really fascinating to me and i think that you know people at home are are like well i wouldn't have done that i wouldn't have gone and filmed that night but as we were saying you don't know like hopefully your house is never broken into and you don't have we to don't find have out to prove it yeah right. but like you know so i always like to say like oh well you know, I would have done X, Y, Z, but also I've never been in that situation. So, I mean, who the fuck knows? I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, poor Dorit. It, Words I never it. thought I would say. Oh, oh, I have sympathy for Dorit. I almost have sympathy for BK. What's wrong with me? What's wrong? I don't like this feeling. <laughs> I think a lot of people feel that way. And a lot of people also feel like, no, she doesn't deserve any sympathy or empathy because of what she said about X, Y, and Z and what she did before. And, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where all human people, we all react to things in different ways. If you want to look at the world and people and whatever else as black and white and pass your judgment, like that at the end of the day is a part of your own coping mechanism. Like it's so interesting the ways that we think of black and white as a like term of innocence versus guilt of like whether that's relational or communication style or you made this mistake not to say Dorit specifically but like you made this mistake one time so that is going to color how I feel about you for every time else like people are complicated except my opinion of you and what you have done and it's just kind of interesting to see that conversation take place that's often more revealing than what we're watching on screen and also goes against what seemingly a person might consider when thinking about the world of nuance and how you apply nuance and empathy maybe to yourself, but less so to other people who you feel are wrong. Well, and I think that there is a perfect example. I saw a bunch on Twitter today, which is um, when, when, um, uh, uh, not Garcelle, when Sutton comes over to Kyle's house and Mm. she's like, oh, I've been going through a lot too. You know, I've been putting out fires all day and she's talking about her assistant and we're all like, girl, whatever. French designer. Yeah. (laughs) And Kyle is like, "Um, our friend got held by gunpoint. And then everyone's like, oh, well, remember when Lisa Vanderpump was like, oh, I've been at a a funeral for five days. And Kyle was like, well, we're all going through stuff. And it's like, you can recognize when someone else is being insensitive while also having been insensitive in the same situation yourself. Two things can be true at the same time. Two things can be true. And so just because she said that to Lisa doesn't mean what what she was saying to Sutton isn't valid or what, yeah, I mean, it's like, 
that doesn't excuse oh, i don't know they think like oh because you did this one thing wrong you can never judge anybody ever again for anything they ever did but i mean that's fucking bullshit you would think actually the reverse would be true that because this person maybe potentially mistreated a friend that they would recognize mistreatment later on we don't yes. allow lessons to be learned if we're trying to use that learned lesson as a tool of shame yes like i don't i don't think you should be allowed to grow from your mistake i have to remind you that a mistake was made and then i'm going to use that in every circumstance because i want to punish you Right. Regardless of whatever I've done in my own life, it's a it's a weapon of power and control. And then you're essentially Tracy Judice. <laughs> Which where I'm forcing you to record a Patreon episode so that we can deep dive New Jersey after. Can I just make one little thesis statement about that scene with Kyle and Sutton? Oh, I, I am ready for thing. all your theses and your feces. I thank you. Um, and your theses might be theses. <laughs> And it better not be oh <laughs> That's a tagline for the next episode. Um, what was so interesting to me in that scene with Kyle and Son, aside from the fact that, like, while it was happening, the clip had come up online. I didn't watch it because I wanted to see it during the app. Um, and I watched the episode and I was like, oh, man, this is, like, so much worse <laughs> than what I thought it was going to be because she kept circling back. But also it was so interesting to me because I think that Kyle was, regardless of what was going on with Sutton, I think Kyle was reacting in, in the moment with like shock and like maybe a little bit of horror as to what Sutton was saying, but also was responding as a cast member performing friendship. And so when she's like looking out the window at a certain point where I was like, oh, this feels very cinematic, like looking at yeah. Sutton assemble to her house. And then when she's participating as a response to Sutton, when it's like the yes anding of a scene, it's like this person is like yes. completely doing this thing that I disagree with, but also, okay, you know, like. Right, but also life, I'm doing it to right. a level where most people wouldn't be like, I would feel bad that my friend's house got broken into and I'd be worried about them. I would not be sobbing in the window looking you know, staring out, waiting for my friend to arrive. I mean, I might be. I don't right. know. But I. it's it's interesting to me that, like, Kyle knew that Sutton, like, done fucked up in that moment, but is also, and this isn't a critique of Kyle at all, but it's, like, so interesting to see the ways that friendship is, like, seen as performative on the show because yeah. I think Kyle thought to herself, and, and again, this is not a critique of Kyle, for whom I absolutely stand, Kyle's thinking to herself, we're going to film this scene talking about Dorit, so when Sutton's coming up, Kyle is thinking we're going to have an emotional conversation about Dorit and then Sutton completely changes and there's and steers a direction away. And it's like, what do you do in that moment from like a social graces perspective and also from a cast member perspective? Yeah, because when I was performing friendship, not to say that it wasn't real, Kyle thought it was going to be about Dorit and then it changed to like being a friend to Sutton and you can see her being right confused about what was going on because as you said Kyle is a producer and yes. thought this scene was being set up in a certain way to have a conversation and Sutton felt obviously very differently and watching these two women like have very different <laughs> yeah. scene setups at the end of the day is like fascinating I thought that was so fascinating you're absolutely correct my favorite part of the scene though is when Sutton shows up 
with a little box of car cookies, which I absolutely, I have like pocket candies. I got car cookies. I got bag granola bars. She's like, look, I found cookies from yesterday. And and Kyle through the tears goes, what kind? kind? (laughs) I was like, nothing. Nothing has ever been more relatable to me in my life. Nothing has made me more connected to my Jewish faith than seeing (laughs) Kyle through tears say, what cookies? And then Mauricio finding out that his good friend had been violently robbed in the details whilst reaching for cheese (laughs) with the little cheese knife, which the camera panned to. And I saw it and I noted it and I celebrated it because I was like, yeah, that we're we're very. um, But we food first. Like we are just like. We're literally, I mean, I remember a friend of mine in high school had a devastating family tragedy and I was like hauling ass to her house. But first I got out a fucking shopping bag. I went to my kitchen, yes. I was throwing all of the food, everything, packaged mac and cheese, like assorted, just carb. You start from a, a carb first place <laughs> in, in a Jewish identity. And I was like, get her all the food. Like this is because it is an extension of support and of love and so Kyle being that upset and being like what kind I was like yes that is shalom means hello goodbye and peace and also what kind of cookie is in your hand I also love how Jay like Lisa Brenda's like should I have this party for for um Harry and PK's like, in in my religion, we would never cancel a happy occasion because of a sad occasion. And I was like, it's not like you're in some obscure cult. It's not like you're like a Zoroastrianist or something. Like you're a Jew, PK. <laughs> like in my faith, it's like half the people in that room are Jewish. <laughs> but I loved it. I loved it because I'm a Jew and I forgot about that. And I immediately, there was a part of me that was like, oh my God, Simha, when it's like a good thing, blah, blah, blah. And I literally was like, oh my God, PK just taught me a lesson that I 100% forgot because I am the person who always cancels good events of something. I come from the place of like recovery for negative. I go negative first. So for him to be like, no, we should still celebrate. Like life can be, um, it's like, you know, Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish new year where you have like apple with a little bit of honey to remind you of life is sweet. And then we could go into the fucking Passover Mishagas, but we don't have enough time in the day to take apart <laughs> that plate. But like when it comes to reminding ourselves of sweet moments and bitter moments, the fact that he's like, no, and our, it is a tradition, a Jewish tradition, blah, blah, blah. I just thought that was like, I was very, I was, I was, I can't believe uh, PK outjewed you. Moment. You were outjewed by PK. Do you know? Fairly recently, my fucking fish son is named after his absentee godparent, who, by the way, refuses to acknowledge P.K. Kemsley Galley's existence. P.K. meaning Peter Kemsley Kemsley Galley's existence. As <laughs> for personal last name. Refuses to acknowledge. I have tagged him multiple times. Will not see it. But I, at one point, fairly recently, like in the last year, I think, or year and a half, said I think on social like is PK Jewish because I in my head I was like wait I know that Dorit is Jewish but is PK I like couldn't remember and someone sent me that he has like an enormous tattoo I want to say a star of David with like yeah I completely completely forgot completely forgot I don't know that I ever took note of it and the English aren't the most friendly to uh the sons of David. So, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It can be a little anti Semitic here. Wonderful. Well, I'll 
keep that in mind the next time I visit where I am absolutely inviting myself to visit your place. Um, Anytime. Right. You can right, sleep Moylan. in our cloth. Perfect. I myself uh, am choosing the bed. You guys can sleep on the floor. I am guest of the year, <laughs> guest of the millennium. Um, listen, I could talk to you all day. We are going to pivot to Patreon because I want to get your thoughts on New Jersey. But before we do, your book, which I cannot, your book, The Definitive Tome, Tome? T-O-M? Yeah. Okay, words are fun. Recording in a bathrobe. What, what do you guys want from me? But your book is so spectacular. I could not more highly recommend it, not just because I'm in it, but also <laughs> that, is, that is a selling point, number one. I mean, also yes. Be, <laughs> it gets to the many aspects of the Bravo community that I am so psychotically focused on, the idea of nuance and conversation and like, unpacking things in a way that's not just about like behind the scenes goss which is all fine and good but I feel like there is such a presence in how you recap things write about things discuss housewives that is so complicated and so interesting and your humor shines through in the book your obvious um, experience and intellect and time interviewing people about their experiences as housewives working on production shines from the book. I couldn't more highly recommend it. Hardcover, paperback, email, audiobook, DM, audiobook, local library, however you did want. You, did you do the audiobook? Are you the person? I did the audiobook. Yes. It is strangely exhausting to record an audiobook. I, I believe it. Yeah. But I did it. I did it all myself. I had a really hot engineer named Oscar. He was Scottish. Oof. Oof. I miss him. I mean, I want to hear more about um, Dolores's boyfriend, this like little Irish gentleman. I know. Like, um, I wonder if her boyfriend is the same as Hannah Burners. <laughs> Maybe they know each other. Maybe that they were in a thruple. That would be amazing. She's trying to get on Real Housewives of New Jersey by being in a thruple with Dolores. And uh, I'm into it. Let's watch that shit play out. Um, where can people buy the book? How are books bought and sold? And, um, and can you give us any hints for any projects you've got coming up? I am working on some ghostwriting projects that I'm not supposed to talk about. So are they are they Bravo related? Are you? Uh, some are, some are not. <gasps> oh, okay. You're telling me a recording. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, and uh. And you can buy the book at thehousewivesbook.com, but you can get it anywhere books are sold, Amazon, uh, Goodreads, uh, you know, wherever, barnesandnoble.com. Um, and then you can find me on all social media platforms at Brian J. Moylan. And uh, I'm currently recapping Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I believe Real Housewives of Dubai, when that starts, on vulture.com. And uh, I write the Real House, uh, the Housewives Institute Bulletin, which comes out every two weeks on Fridays. And you can sign up for that at vulture.com slash housewives. We have the highest open rate of any of New York Magazine's newsletters. Which is a very big deal. Because we all know Housewives fans are rabid and underserved. So they are... They're just happy to be invited, <laughs> really. I mean, we really are under. It's so insane that even though there are 9 million podcasts and whatever else, I do always feel like I just need a little bit more. Yeah, there could there's, could always be another meme account to follow. 
And you know what? If you guys feel like you need more content, and I know that you do, join the Andy Scrolls Patreon. It's the number one way to support the pod. Dame Brian Moylan and I are going to record a little app talking about a little thing that we like to call the Real Housewives of New Jersey reunion part two. And, you know, you get exclusive bonus episodes, invites to special Zoom kikis, and more. Patreon.com slash Andy Scrolls. Follow me on social. Tell me how much you disagree with literally everything by sliding into my DMs on Instagram <laughs> at Dame Galley. And also see some pictures of the clock, a fun little piece of art sent to me by um, Real Housewife of Beverly Hills, Crystal Kung Minkoff's husband, Rob. Um, <gasps> got a little Ursula portrait behind me in the closet. And guys, uh, on that note, hope you are all doing okay. And I'll chat with you soon, all right? Bye-bye.